All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let us begin. Be my thanking our sponsors for this morning's share to thank our Kamatora sponsors for the month of Sivan, Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin, for dedicating the Shiurim and Drashos this month in the Schuss of Rafur Shlima for their niece, Chava Tsipora Bas Chaya Malka. together with Kol Choli Yisrael. Have a complete and enduring refuah. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Shalom and Aviva Kovacs, for dedicating this year today in memory of Kobe Rosemore, Chaim, Yaakov, David, Zichron Levracha, Ben Yosef Tzadok, Va'avigayel. We hope that on the merit of our Tamil Torah, his Neshama will have an Aliyah and his family a Nechama. And we'll see with that, let us begin. A really interesting daf ahead of us today. I gave you a little bit of a, of a teaser with the Mishnah yesterday. So we'll say, let's begin. Today's daf is Peiches 88. And we are picking up in Meretz Hashem at the Mishnah on Peizayin Amud Beis 87b. So the Mishnah... All right, the Mishnah reads as follows. So the Mishnah says, Ha'isha shalach sayam. If a woman, her husband, goes overseas, and witnesses come back and they tell her, or witnesses come and they tell her, your husband passed away. Then he says, and she gets married. And what happened? Then her husband shows up. Apparently he's not dead. Husband shows up. So again, I just want to point out, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this at a time, you know, it's going to take the Gemara a little bit of time to figure this out, but we have the advantage of having seen the Gemara. So remember again, case number one is Eidechot. Is Eidechot. Even though, again, it's phrased in the plural of Uba'u va'amru la. They came and said to her, what it actually is talking about is a case of a singular witness. An Eidechot is showing up and selling this woman, your husband passed away. So the Gemara says, so again, she, she remarries based on the testimony. He shows, he shows back up. He shows back up. What's the halacha? So So now, what, what do we have? What do we have on our hands? We have on our hands a situation. Oh, we have a problem, right? But we have, we, we have in our hands a situation of inadvertent adultery. Because at the end of the day, this woman committed adultery. Again, obviously, not, not intentional, right? Not intentional. But Lamaisa, de facto, we have a situation of adultery. So therefore, what's Talachot the adultery? Talachot the adultery is she is Asur Labal and Laboel. She's prohibited to her husband and to the adulterer. In this case, husband number two has the Lachik status of an adulterer. Utsrichak, so therefore, again, she has to get divorced from both of them. Utsrichak, get Mizeh Umizeh. And ultimately, again, she has to leave both of these individuals as well. Now, I will say, now here's what's interesting. Take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Teitzim is a very interesting Rashi. Kishar ishes ish shezinsa. No different than any other woman who committed adultery. Dahach lava nusihi. This is not a case where she's anusa, where she's compelled. Actually, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. And we'll say we're going to see that what's interesting about the case of the Eid Echad is like this. We believe in Eid Echad, a singular witness, in a situation where he's coming to testify about a woman's husband that he passed away. Why do we believe in Eid Echad, Rabbi What? Why? Why? We're going to see in the Gemara, Mishum Iguna Akilu Barabanon. Chazal had a vest, you know, as much as sometimes 
the halachic, the halachic, um, we'll call it framework or halachic institution, the institution of halacha gets a bad rap for not caring about the aguna issue, it's not true. Again, there are certain constraints that exist when it comes to the nature of gin or the nature of divorce. But Lamaisigin, whenever Chazal could help avoid Aguna, they definitely did. So here's a perfect case. When you have a situation of a man traveling overseas and he doesn't come back home, Chazal said, we will believe the testimony of one witness, of an Eid Echad, to allow the woman to remarry. Both say, huge Chiddush. We're going to deal with this in the Gemara. Huge Chiddush. But I will say, but here's the reality of it. The reality is, Chazal said to the woman, we're going to believe in the Eid Echad. But wife, you have to do your due diligence to ensure that he's actually dead, right? In other words, that the onus is going to be upon you. We will give you the right to rely on an Eid Echad, but the onus is upon you to do the due diligence to make sure that this Eid Echad is telling the truth. And therefore, again, if it turns out that the Eid Echad was not telling the truth, Again, that burden is upon you, you being the wife. And therefore, Allah Eidechad shows up, your husband died, we believe him, because again, Rabbi say, in that case, we place the halachic responsibility upon the woman to determine the veracity of this Eidechad's testimony. If now it turns out that so she remarries, fine, we're, we're all happy, all wonderful. Now, hu- husband number one shows up, Allah that burden is upon her. And therefore, Tetzayim is Yomizem. She has to go and leave both men. Utsricha get Mizemizem. She needs a get from both husbands. That both is very interesting as well. Now remember, she needs a get from husband number one because she's still married to him. Technically speaking, why should she need a get from husband number two? Remember again, is marriage number two valid? No. It's Midrabanon. Midrabanon, we require her to get a get, to receive a get from husband number two as well. Again, not only that, Bima Ksuba, she has no Ksuba from either husband. Below Peros, again, I'm say this, this is the list we've seen already in previous sugyas. No Peros, no Mizonos, no Belaos. Lo Alzeh, Belo Alzeh. So I will say, so Halakhalamaisa, now again, we're going to see the nature of this. It almost feels like this is a certain level of penalty that's imposed upon her. We'll discuss all of this. And I will say, for argument's sake, let's say she collected a ksuva, either from husband number one or husband number two, we make her return it. We make her return it. She's not entitled to the money at all. Vavlad mamzer Wow. An offspring that she has with either husband number one or husband number two are both mamzerim. Now let's qualify this a little bit. Take a look at Rashi. Vavlad mamzer mizeh mizeh. Im yolda misheni mamzer gomer. So listen to this. Where what it means is any children she had with husband number two are obviously mamzerim, right? Because what say it turns out that while she was having children with husband number two, she was what? Married woman. Married woman. Not only that, but if after husband number one comes back, she chooses to go back and live with him and has more children now with husband number one, those are also mamzerim. Granted, mamzerim midirabanon. So children from husband number two are mamzerim da'araisa. Children from husband number one are mamzerim dirabanon. No, I think I said it just the opposite. Did I said it correctly. Children from husband number two are mamzerim da'araisa. Yeah. Children from husband number one are mamzerim dirabanon. Good. So the Gemara says not only that, 
They both say if these men, the two husbands, are Kohanim, neither of them are permitted to become Tomei for her. And neither husband number one nor husband number two have, are entitled to anything she finds, are entitled to her earnings, and ultimately don't have the right to revoke her vows. If the woman in question ultimately was a Basisrael, Nifsala Minakuhuna. So I both said relations with husband number two would then preclude her from whatever marrying a Kohen, because effectively she has the status of a Zona. Ubas lady, if she's a Bas lady, relations with the second man, which is effectively adultery, precludes her from eating Maiserishon. Ubas coin minatruma. And ultimately, again, if she's a Bas coin, relations with husband number two go ahead and preclude her from eating truma. Ve'in yarshin shalzeh, the yarshin shalzeh, yarshin es ksuvasa. And I will say neither set of heirs, children from husband number one or children from husband number two, have the ability to inherit her ksuva. And I will say this seems to be a contradiction because we just said before that what? She has no ksuva. Okay, so we'll, we'll discuss this in the Gemara. Ve'mesu echa ve'mesu. And I will say, if either of these men died, husband number one or husband number two, without children, so what's talacha? Echav shalzeh echav shalzeh cholzen v'lov miyadmin. Both brothers, right? Brother of husband number one or brother of husband number two, do chalitza, do chalitza, but no yibum. And I will say, this is fascinating. So Rashi points out that we are cholzen, achiv shalvishon, or I should say, echav shalvishon, midaraisa cholitz. We're going to see again, brother of husband number one does chalitza midaraisa, brother of husband number two does chalitza midrabanan. Midrabanan. Okay, good. So we'll say, this is the Tanakhama of the Mishnah. Right? First opinion in the Mishnah, Rabbi you see, it's fascinating. It's two sides of the same coin. On one hand, what we have over here is an overwhelming kula that we're going to allow a woman to remarry based on the testimony of an eid echad, of one witness, which is an incredible kula. The, the flip side to that is that, therefore, again, as we said before, the burden, the burden of, of proof, it's not the burden of proof, well, it is the, the burden of determining the legitimacy of this eid echad is upon the woman. And therefore, if it turns out that the Eid Echad was incorrect, ultimately, again, it is the woman who is left holding the bag on all of the fallout from this. Okay, now a couple of dissenting opinions. Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, Ksuvasa, Rabbi Yossi says she does have a Ksuva, she does have a Ksuva, and her Ksuva ultimately is on the property of husband number one. Okay, Rabbi Ali, Rabbi Alazar Omer, Harishon Zakai de Mitziasa, Rabbi Lazar says that the first husband is in fact entitled to anything she finds, to her earnings, and to and the ability to go ahead and revoke her vows. Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi Shimon says, either relations, right, Yibum, or Chalitza, with the brother of the first husband has the ability to exempt any co-wives, and ultimately, if she goes back and lives with husband number one after his return, the offspring are not mamzerim. So I will say, become the namnir amongst these three opinions. Again, we'll discuss them all in greater depth in the Gemara. 
is there saying that we still ascribe some level of legitimacy to marriage number one? Rabbi Yossi saying her ksuva comes from husband number one. Rabbi Lazar saying husband number one still has his marital rights. Why should he lose his marital rights? And Rabbi Shimon saying if she does end up living again with husband number one, ultimately none of the children are mamzerim. Incredible. Vemnises shalober shos. Rabbi Yossi, all of this is a, okay. Interesting formulation here. Vemnises shalober shos. Rabbi Yossi, here's what's fascinating. If she gets remarried without the Rishus of Beisdin, so say this sounds like she's doing something wrong, right? But in fact, look at Rashi. This is so interesting. Nisei Shalom Rishus Beisdin. Now she says, Shabaushne Eidim Va'amru Meis Ba'alech Vinisei Smiatzma Sharilo Haisa Tzricha Leheter Beisdin. See, I will say, what, what, when, when, when we're dealing with an Eidachad, a singular witness, a lone witness, so the truth is that only works if done through the mechanism of Beisdin, right? In other words, Eid Echad shows up, a person by themselves has no ability to take action based on an Eid Echad. But if Halach again, Eid Echad shows up, shows up to Beisdin, Beisdin then has the ability to activate an Eid Echad. This case of Shalob, Venise Shalober Shos, is a case of two witnesses. See, when two witnesses show up, you don't really need Beisdin. I mean, technically, you don't need Beisdin. Because two witnesses utter a testimony, and I am permitted to take action based on the words of two witnesses. So look at Rashi again. This is where two witnesses came along and said, your husband died. When there are two witnesses, a woman doesn't need a heter from Beisdin to remarry because at the end of the day, she has two witnesses. So then he says, So we'll say, listen to this. So, so this is actually an interesting case. If she, so we'll say, two witnesses now show up. And two witnesses say, say, your husband died. Your husband died. Right? So we'll say, she's allowed to get remarried. So what happens now? Husband number one, so she gets married to husband number two. Husband number one shows back up. Shows back up. What's the halacha? This is fascinating. Muteres lachzor lo. She's permitted to go back to husband number one. Right? Now, now why? Why is that? Why is that? Rashi says over here, da'anusahi. Now, this is a case of anus. This is a case of just extenuating circumstances that this woman could have done nothing to prevent. In other words, I will say, if there is one ironclad rule in halacha, it is two witnesses are two witnesses. In other words, I will say, everything in our legal system operates around two witnesses. So, Lemais, again, the fact that she took action based on two witnesses means she is 100% in the right. She's in the right. So now it turns out that the witnesses were wrong. Okay, what is a person supposed to do? She did everything that halacha demanded of her. As a result, she's an anusa. So I'm going to say, you see the difference over here? You see, one witness gives her the license to remarry. But that license comes with a heavy burden of responsibility upon her to make sure the one witness was right. If she does not do her due diligence, as evident by the fact that the husband's showing back up, Lemaisa then, you know, she's stuck with ramifications. But in the case there are two witnesses, it's interesting, there's no due diligence pattern. Now, there's a due diligence of cross-examination. That's why we're going to see 
Shalobershus Beisdin doesn't mean that simply two guys show up at her door and say, hey, by the way, your husband's dead. Sorry, when's the chasana? You know, that, that, that's not the pshat. That's not the pshat. But, but what it means is, so we're going to see there's always some level of, of fact-checking when it comes to witnesses. But Lamaik Sekin, with two witnesses, halacha is on her side. You are absolutely unequivocally permitted to get me married. When it turns out that the two witnesses were wrong, for whatever the reason, Lamaik said the law is on her side, and the law protects her. So she's permitted to go back to husband number one. Incredible. Of course, of course. That's why, that's why it says all of it happens in Beisdin. Yeah, we're going to see absolutely. She's informed about her responsibilities at all times. So the Gemara says, I'm sorry. We're jumping back. Now if she gets, if she gets married based on the testimony of one witness, Tate say, say so again, as we said before, she has to leave both husbands. They're both saying, now we're jumping a little bit, and we're talking about now carbonic liability. If you look at Rashi, Petura Minak Karban, the Yachid Sha'asab Horaz Beisin Pater. See, they both say, effectively now she has to bring a carbon chatos, right? Because she went ahead and she committed adultery. So here's what's interesting. She is not going to be obligated in a carbon. Why? Because at the end of the day, when a person commits an Avera through the instruction of Beisin, they're parted from a carbon. Now, I'll say, now what does that mean? Even in the case of Eid Echad, it turns out that the woman, maybe she, either she didn't do her due diligence or she did do her due diligence, but just some crazy situation. But Lamaisa, what she did was legal. Why was it legal? Why was it legal? Because it was done through the instruction of Beisdin. Because of that, as much as there will call marital liability, Halakha Lamaisa, there's no carbonic liability. She doesn't bring carbon. But if she did not get married based on based, in other words, which means two witnesses, then ultimately, again, she's going to be obligated to leave the husband and bring a carbon. Again, we'll see, we'll see why this is. We'll see why this is. Rashi says over here, Okay, we'll say we'll see the distinction between the cases. So Yafek Koach Beizin. So Beizin has a power. Shepotra minak carbon. This is an interesting fact over here. When she gets married because of the testimony of one witness, all of this is happening through the purview of Beizin. The nice thing is when you operate through the through the purview of Beizin, you have what? You're covered. What's the word? You have um, you have. It's a word for I guess immunity, carbonic immunity. Right, you're happy, you're right, because you're operating through Beisdin, you have carbonic immunity. As opposed to when you get married based on two witnesses, you may or may not be using the framework of Beisdin. If you're not using the framework of Beisdin, you don't have carbonic immunity. So it's interesting. So as much as two, ba- two witnesses give you what we we'll call marital immunity, they don't give you carbonic immunity. One witness doesn't give you marital immunity, but does give you carbonic immunity. Again, we'll see all the details of this. So I will say, last case, Haro Beisdin Linase, Vahalcha Vakilkala. I will say, let's say Beisdin Paskin, that she has the right to remarry. Say, based on one witness, she has the right to remarry, or even based on two witnesses, Vahalcha Vakilkala. And she went and she just behaved immorally. In other words, that she had relations with men, not for the sake of going ahead and getting married. Chayeves Bekarban. 
Shabbosai, in this case over here, Eid Echad, as much as we said with Eid Echad, because it's happening through Beis and Shea's Karbana community, the Karbana community only applies to what? To marriage. But if Halacha Lamaisa, she just went ahead and had relations with men, not in the context of marriage, ultimately, again, she is liable. Shlohiti Ruha Because Halacha Lamaisa, again, her license, her license was only for marriage, not for immoral behavior. Incredible, I will say. Let's go. Says the Gimar, lot to do. Medictoni sefa nises shalobershos mutaras lachsorlo shalobershos basin elabeidim. Shabbos say, here's what's interesting. The sefa, the second part of the Mishnah, said that if she gets married, shalobershos. Shalobershos. Right? So if she gets married, shalobershos, without the permission of basin, and then husband number one shows back up. She's permitted to go ahead and she's permitted to go ahead and go back and resume living with him. Rabbi Sabi could infer from this that what does Shalobershus Beisdin mean? Shalobershus means without Roshus of Beisdin, but with two Aidin. We already said it in the Gibbah, right? That's what it means. Therefore, Rabbi Sabi, by definition, we have to say that the beginning of the Mishnah, where it says Bershus Beisdin, Bershus Beisdin means what? With the Bershus Beisdin, one witness. One witness, I will say, which is how, again, that, this is how we read the Mishnah, thanks to Rashi, from the beginning. That the first case in the Mishnah, what we call Bershus Beisdin, is a case of Eidechot. One witness is coming along and saying, Rachel, we know your husband Ruben died. Beisdin hears this. Beisdin says, okay, Rachel, you have the right to believe this Eidechot. Parentheses. But the obligation of due diligence and, and making sure that, right, explaining the veracity of this claim is upon you. What do we see from Rabbi Say, Alma, Eidecha Neman. Wow. Rabbi you know what the most startling thing of this Mishnah is? That we believe in Eidechad? Wow. Who knew? Up until now, my whole life, I've, I've been conditioned to think that we believe to Eidim, which is the second part of the Mishnah. Now you're telling me we believe in Eidechad, one witness, Rabbi Say, by the way, in such a dramatic fashion. Remember again, this is an Eid Echad, ultimately again by what? By marriage. To which the Gemara says, here we go, Utina Nami, Huxekulios Masien, Mi Pi, Mi Pi, Eid, Mi Pi, Eid, Visha Mi Pi, Isha, Visha Mi Pi, Eved, Umi Pi, Shifcha, Ama Eid Echad, Nama. Rabbi now that we're going to see that ultimately they would allow women to remarry based on the testimony of one witness from another witness, or one woman from another woman, or a woman from an Eved, or from a Shifcha. So we'll see, see in all these cases that an Eid Echad, one witness, is believed. Utnana, we also learned, Eid Echad, Omer Achal Techeilev, Vuhu Omer Lachalti, was an interesting case. If an Eid Echad says, Eid Echad comes over to me, he says, Silber, you ate Chaylev, you ate forbidden fat, right? And I say, No, I didn't. No, I didn't. What's the Lacha? I'm Potter. I'm Potter. Time of Lachalti. The reason I put Rabbi Osei is why? Because I said I didn't. So the Eid Echad's word is no stronger than my word. But what do you see from here? Ha'ishtik mehemen. Had I not said anything, right? Had I not said anything, the Eid Echad shows up and he says, Hey, Silber, you ate chilev. And I didn't say anything. The Eid Echad were believed. Alma, Eid Echad mehemen. So Rabbi what do you see from here? You see the Eid Echad is believed. So Rabbi Osei, so bottom line, right? All of this was just backing up the Gemara's assertion. But the most novel ruling in our Mishnah is that an Eid Echad, a single witness, is believed. To which the Gemara asks, Midaraisa, Minalan. They both say, Midaraisa, how do we know that we are allowed to believe in Eid Echad? How do we know that? The Sanya, oh, hold on, 
They both say the Pasuk by Chatos says, you will know about your liability. You will come to know that you made a mistake. They will say, so there is only Chatos liability if you come to know on your own about your liability, but not if someone else makes you aware of it. You might have thought that if someone comes to tell you, an Eidecha comes to tell you that you did something wrong, and you don't contradict the Eidecha that you'll be patr, Tamalomar, oh, hold a love. Or it becomes known to you. So we'll say, what, what's going on over here? What's the case? So we'll say, for talking about a case where, let's say again, witnesses show up, witnesses show up, two witnesses show up, and they say, let's go back to the Chalif case. They say, Silver, you ate Chalif, you ate Chalif, and I don't contradict them. They will say, I don't need a positive to teach me liability. That's obvious. Right? I'm not contradicting. Two witnesses come along and say, I did something wrong. Of course, I'm going to be liable. Alalav chad. Rather, I will say, talking about one witness. And I will say, the Torah is teaching me that if what? If one witness shows up and tells me that I did something wrong, and I don't contradict the witness, the witness is believed. What does that show you? What does that show you? That eid echad is mehemen. Shmamina eid echad mehemen. Umimai dimishum de mehemen. Dilma mishum de kashasek ushtika kodal damya. They will say maybe it's not because one witness is believed, but maybe when one witness shows up and tells you, well, so watch this case. Witness shows up and says, Silver, you ate chalif. You ate chalif. And I don't say anything. I don't say anything. I don't contradict him. Maybe the reason I'm liable is not because one witness is believed, but rather why? Shtika koda. Silence, silence, right? If I'm silent, then I'm admitting. To which the Gemara says, So I'll say, look at the last case of the Braisa. Two witnesses show up and they say, Silver, you ate Chalev. And I say, No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Potter, I am Potter from my adultery. Mir Mir says, You're Chayiv. I'm Rabbi Mir. Mir says, Kavachomer. Kavachomer. In Heviyoshnaim, they misa Chamura. We'll say if two witnesses can make me liable to a death penalty, chas v'shalom, lo yivu'le de karban akal, then certainly again two witnesses can make me chayiv for a karban, even if I say I'm not chayiv. Amru lo, ma im yirtzeh lomar mezit hayisi. You know what I'm say? Here's what's interesting. When two witnesses show up and halacha l'maysa say that I eat chayiv and chayiv a karban, and I say, no, I didn't, you know I am believed, I'm say, no, I am believed, because I could always have another claim as amigo. I could have said what? I could have said what? I intentionally ate chalev. We'll say, what's the liability if you intentionally ate chalev? Well, again, it's, it's kares, but lamaisa, there's no carbonic liability. In other words, I could have made a claim to exempt myself from carbonic liability. Because that's the case, I'm also believed to say, I didn't eat chalev, even when two witnesses show up. So the Gemara says, Reisha, tap of pechas. Reisha, my time rabbanon. So we'll say, ultimately, again, why is it that Rabbanon caused me to be liable in the first case where I was quiet? If you want to say it's because it's an Eid Echad, ultimately when I don't contradict an Eid Echad, ultimately I'm liable. Generally in the case of two witnesses, where Allah said they're believed, even when I do contradict them, in this case Rabbanon Pater, Rather, it was mostly because I was silent, and therefore, ushtika keoda danya. So, I will say, so bottom line, what the Gemara is saying over here is, there's no raya from this case that Eid Echad is believed. There's no raya that Eid Echad is believed. Because I will say, it's just as possible that the reason ultimately, again, that there's liability in this case is why? Shtika koda. 
Because silence is like admittance, right? Silence is like admitting. Sefer Allah say we're still back to square one, which is how do I know that Nida Raisa, there is a concept ultimately of Shtika Kauda. How do I know that? So says the Gimara, says Allah, listen to this, Svarahi. Rather, says the Gimara, in fact, it's a Svara. It's a Svara that Eid Echad is believed. I will say, what's the Svara? Listen to this. Midi Dehavi Achaticha Safik Shachelev. I'm sorry, Safik, I'm sorry. Midi Dehavi Achaticha Safik Shachelev Safik Shalshoman. I will say, listen to this case. Very interesting. You have a piece of meat. You have a piece of meat. Safik Chelev Safik Shuman. I will say, Chelev is Lasser. Shuman is Mutter. Shuman is Mutter. Okay, now what happened? I will say, I ate a piece of meat. Ate a piece of meat. So what happened? So comes along and says, I'm telling you, I know for sure that it was Shuman. It was fat. It wasn't Chaylev. What's Talacha? Didn't happen. Eid is believed. So what do you see from here? What do you see from here? That Eid is believed in certain circumstances. So the Gemara says, no, no, no. Me, dami, hasam lo ishtek. Lo, sorry. Hasam lo ischazik isura. To which the Gemara says, that's not a fair case, Rabosai. Because remember again, what is this case, Rabosai? This is a case of Safek. Lois Chazik Yisura means that we have never established that there is something usser over here. In other words, remember again, what's the case? The case over here is a case of Safek. There's a piece of meat. We're not sure. Is it Chaleb? Is it Shun? So we don't even have any definitive Isser over here. So in that case, Eid Echad shows up. I ate it. I ate it. Right? I ate it. So Eid shows up afterwards and says, Oh, by the way, that was Shuman. It wasn't Chaylev. He's believed. To which the Gemara says, You can't bring a Raya that we believe in Eid from that case. Because it will say, It's just as possible. That's a different kind of case. In that case, we never established that there was Isser. However, again, Halcha is Chazik Yisur de Ish is Ish. In the case of our Mishnah, in the case of our Mishnah, we haven't established Isser. What's the established Isser? What's the established Isser? Married woman, married woman, and maybe the end of Shabbat ever pachos mishnayim. And I will say again, maybe when we have an established iser, in general, I will say our principle is right. Our our guiding light rule is davar Shabbat erva. Anytime you're dealing with an established iser of erva, you always need two witnesses. So from where do we know that we that we rely on one witness? So I will say better case, a case of meat. That we know is chaylev. That we know is chaylev. Va'asa eid echad va'amar barili d'shumen hava the lo mehemen. So let's I give you a better case. Let's say you have a piece of meat that we know to be that we know to be chaylev, and an eid echad shows up and says, "I know for sure it's not chaylev, it's shumen." So we'll say, "What's the halacha?" The lo mehemen. We don't believe him in that case. So we'll say that would be a good raya. That what? That'd be a good raya. Then halacha so He's not believed. Right, he's not believed. So Eidachar is not believed. Midami, that's not fair. Midami, hasmafido asu be mea lo mehemni. So I will say that's not fair because I will say when you have a situation of something that has an established status, even if a hundred people show up, they can't change the status. Hacha kevan dechi asu be tre mehemni chad nami lehemna. So I will say in this case over here, however, even though we know the woman was aser, if two witnesses show up and say we know your husband died, they are believed. So too, one witness will be believed as well. So the Gemara said, "Midi dehavi atevel hektish vikonamos." Because we'll say this should be like the case of tevel, hektish, and konamos. Remember again, tevel is untied produce, hektish, consecration, 
Konamas also is a konam vow. Konam vow is where you prohibit something to yourself. So watch this. Hai tevel hechidami. What's the case? We'll say all fascinating cases. E di e di yade. Sorry. So the Gemara says it's a case of tevel. E di day. We'll say if we're talking about a case where you have tevel untithed produce and an aid echad shows up and says it's not tevel, it was tithed. Of course he's going to be believed. You know why? Mishum dibiyado latakno. Because Rabbi say, remember again, you're always believed to testify about something that you have the ability to remedy. So if an Eid Echad shows up and testifies about his own produce and says, I testify that this is tithed produce, of course he's going to be believed. Why? Because Lamaisa, he has the ability and he has the power to fix it. Rather, he must be that an Eid Echad is showing up and testifying about the produce of another that Ruvain's pro I come up, Ruvain's produce is tithe. So the mercy my kasavar, we'll say first wide line. So what what is he what, what do we hold? E kasavar tore mishalashavero, eno sarah das bailim, mishum diabul takna. So what's his interesting machlokas? Do, do does one have the right to tithe someone else's produce? So I will say if you hold that one person has the right to tithe someone else's produce without their permission. That of course, when Eidechad shows up, I show up and I say, Ruben's produce is tight. I'm going to be believed. Why? Because I have the ability to control that process. And if you hold that Allah, I say, you need the consent of the owner. So I will say, and if you hold that, we're talking about a case where I don't have the right to go ahead and tithe someone else's produce. And now I'm showing up and testifying about Ruben's produce that is tithed. How do I know that I'm believed in that case? Hekdish Nami. We'll see what's the case of Hekdish. If we're talking about a situation of an item that has monetary sanctity, so we'll say, if it's my property, I'm believed about it. Why? Because I have the ability to redeem it. And if we're talking about, again, something that has physical sanctity, which doesn't have the ability to be redeemed, if we're talking about my own property, I believe because I have the right to go ahead and try to revoke the vow. And I'm coming along and I'm saying, I know that Ruvain went ahead and did Ataras Nedarim on the vow that made his item Kadosh. He gufa, so the Gemara says, he gufa minalon. How do I know this? I know that Eid Echad has the power to do so. Konamos. They will say, what's the case of Konamos? So I will say, if you say that when something is subject to a Konam vow, it is subject to, I will say, Konam vow means, again, I essentially, I make a vow, making something precluded, prohibited to my use, but for the, for, for the Mikdash, if you hold that there is Mi'ilah, and ultimately financial sanctity, that I'm believed to testify about it. Why? Because I have the ability to redeem it. And if you say again, there's no me'ilah by konamos, and I don't have the ability to redeem it, but rather again, it's just a state of Isser that devolves upon an item subject to a konam vow. If it's my own property, then I have the ability to go ahead and both say have the vow that made it a konam or, or have the konam vow revoked. But if it belongs to someone else, 
Who says that an Eliyachar is believed? Sidif Rabosai, what comes out over here is we have been unsuccessful in determining a biblical source for the fact that an Eid Echad should be believed. We, we, we cannot come up with a case, the biblical precedent that shows the Eid Echad is So therefore, the entire Mishnah is based on the premise that we believe a single witness. Where does that come from? Here we go, Rabosai. Two important lines, most important lines in Nisoya. Amar Vizera, Mitoch Chomer Shechmarta Aleya Besofa, Hekalta Aleya Betchila. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, because we are machmir with her in the end, which means, because if this single witness is wrong, right, we bring the law down on her, right? The, the entire legal system comes crashing down on her. Right? We're going to be, we're going to be machmir on her that if the Eid Echad is wrong, all these things, she has to leave both men, mamzer, no ksuva, no peros, no mezonos, no belows. Therefore, because we're going to be machmir on her in the end, we're making on her in the beginning, ultimately to allow her to remarry based on one witness. To which the Gemara says, what does that mean? Lo lachmir, velo leikol. So better yet, don't, right, don't be making on her. To which the Gemara says, here it is, mishum iguna akilu bahu rabbanon. Rabbi say this is the phrase which drives this entire sogya. See, Rabbi say we have a problem. What's our problem? What's our problem? Aguna. Now, Rabbi say our problem is, is actually potential aguna. We now have a situation of a missing husband. No one knows what has happened to him. So, Rabbi say we have two choices. Choice number one is, choice number one is, wait. Just wait. How long? How long? However long it takes. But we could be running into a serious agonah problem where a woman is going to be literally, again, stuck. Stuck in this marriage. So Chazal make a decision. And the decision they make, Rabbi say is we're going to allow the woman to remarry based on the fact that someone says her husband is dead. Right? So Rabbi say so essentially in halacha, in halacha, how are we looking at this woman? How are we looking at her? She's an amana. She's a widow. But she's a tenuous widow. Right? It's a widow based just on the testimony of one witness. Now, we're going to go with it. Chazal said we're going to go with it because the alternative is leaving her in Agona. But what the halacha does, as we said before, is place the full responsibility on this Eid Echad, on the woman. So we'll say that's the, so we're, we're going to give her the pathway to remarriage. We're going to give her the license. Now, we'll say, so what we're saying is, is there biblical precedent for Eid Echad being believed? So we'll say, does it exist in halacha? Now, the truth is, we're going to see it does. For example, there's the concept of Eidecha Naman Surin. For example, I will say, Hilchos Nidva. Right? Who's believed about a woman's status when it comes to Hilchos Nidva? Who's believed? Who's believed? The woman is believed. Hey, I will say, we don't need two witnesses to show up and say, okay, Rachel could go to the mikvah tonight, right? She is. So I will say, so we see that Halacha we do have biblical precedent for Eidecha Naman Surin. But I will say, but Lemaisa, again, in Inyana Ishos, we don't. But this is a special dispensation that Chazal made to avoid aguna. But the counterbalance to it is the entire responsibility for this, for this kula, rests with the woman. She has to do her due diligence. So I will say that, and that's the surah of this entire surah. Incredible. Tate say So I will say, so remember again, if husband number one does show back up, and it turns out that the eight echad was wrong. And by the way, let me say the eight echad is wrong. 
It doesn't have to be ultimately, again, that the Eidachah did anything intentionally wrong. He just had wrong information. So Lamaisa again, Tetzi Mizem is a Shesli, both husbands. So Amarav, Lo Shanu Ela Shenises Be'edachar. So we'll say that's only true if she married based on one witness. Aval Nises Api Shnei Edim Lo Tetzi. Wow. So we'll say Rav says, but if she got married based on the testimony of two witnesses, she does not have to go ahead and leave. Rav will say, Sons doesn't have to leave who? The second husband. Wow. So the Gemara says, Rav says this, Machku Alev When they heard this ruling in Eretz Yisrael, they laughed at Rav. Ridiculous. You don't have to leave this second husband. What are you talking about? The first husband is there. He's holding the wedding album. Right? What, 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 what do you, and I write, I'm alive and well. Shalom Aleichem. Right? What, what, do you, what do you mean? She doesn't have to leave the second husband. Asa Gavra, Vikoi. The first husband is standing there and he says, Shalom Aleichem, Rachel. So nice to see you. I missed you. I see clearly it wasn't mutual, right? But Lamaisa, again, I, right, husband number one is standing there, is standing there. So what do you mean she doesn't have to leave husband number two? Ultimately, what's the case? That ultimately is fascinating. Husband number one shows up, he says, Rachel, it's me, Ruvain. And, and she says, who? Right? Nobody recognizes this guy. Nobody recognizes this guy. Now, one second. Now, that's true. By the way, if a guy shows up claiming that he's Rachel's first husband, Ruvain, and no one recognizes him, then the truth is, Rabbi say, even in the case of Eid Echad, we would allow her to stay married to husband number two. So let's listen to this. This is fascinating. What's the case? The case is where, watch this. Ruvain shows back up, husband number one. No one recognizes Ruvain. No one recognizes him. But he brings two witnesses. And two witnesses say, this is Ruvain. We've been with him from the time he left town to the time he now came back to this moment. It's him. Just none of you recognize him. And that could happen, Dixiv. Vayaker Yosef as Echov, Behemlohi Kiruhu. The Pasik says, right before Yosef revealed his identities, Vaisarai in Egypt, Yosef recognized his brothers. They did not recognize him. What happened? Yosef didn't have a beard when he left his house, and now he had a beard. And both say, it was more than a beard. It was more than a beard. Yosef suffered so much in life. The brothers suffered so much in life. And suffering, again, ultimately causes a person to look different in every single way. The point of Yerabosa is that it's possible sometimes that even someone who is your brother, someone who you're in the same family with, over time you just simply do not recognize them. Do not recognize them. Yerabosa say it's ultimately such a, also such an incredible yusod, sometimes again, in the power of chit as well that sometimes we do things in life, we do things in life, and we don't recognize who we were, or who, right, who we once were. Vayakar Yosef es They thought Yosef was a sinner. They thought Yosef was a rasha. And therefore, ultimately, again, he had become unrecognizable. They didn't see any good in him. Yosef understood that despite his brother's mistreatment of him, he still saw the good in them. He recognized them. That was the godless of Yosef. Despite the fact that they mistreated him so badly, he still recognized the good inside of them. The problem with the brothers, 
they never saw the good inside of Yosef. They never saw anything good. I'll say such an incredible yesod about how we interact with ourselves and others. Sometimes we look at ourselves and all I see is the bad. I don't see any good. Sometimes I look at the other and all I see is the bad. I don't see any good. The goal in life is to be a Yosef. Because this is the distinction. Yosef, brothers saw him look here. They saw nothing good in Yosef. Yosef, despite the fact that he was mistreated by his brothers, Yosef so he, he saw the good in them. Golden life is to be a Yosef. So, 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 training who? So, now watch this. So, just to see how we're setting up this case. So, Rav, so right? Rav said, Rav said that if a woman went ahead and, and remarried, based on the testimony, ultimately, again, of two witnesses, she doesn't, and husband number one shows up, she doesn't have to leave husband number two. So the Gemara says, what are you talking about? So what's the case? What's the case, Rabbi The case over here is where witnesses showed up, two witnesses showed up. So if two witnesses showed up, don't you have to go ahead and leave husband number two? No, no one recognizes him. So the Gemara says, no, 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 what's the case? What's the case? The case is where two witnesses show up, and Halach HaLamaisa say, two witnesses say, two witnesses show up with Reuven, and they say, we've been with Reuven this entire time since he left. Sof, sof, trey, u treininu. I will say, is this not a case, ultimately, again, sof, sof, trey u treininu, will say, still, how are we able to go ahead and, how are we able to go ahead and allow this woman to remain married to husband number two? So we'll say, what do we have now? What do we have now? We have two witnesses who say that what? Reuven's dead. We also have two witnesses that say that what? Reuven's alive. And we also have a guy who's standing here who says that what? Hi, hi, I'm Reuven. Right, I'm Reuven. So we'll say, we have two witnesses against two witnesses. Rav is suggesting that allows the woman to remain married to husband number two. But how? We'll say at the end of the day, it's, this is a typical, this is a paradigmatic case of Asham Talui. We'll say, what's Asham Talui? A case where you may be doing something prohibited. So how would we allow Rachel to remain married to husband number two, to Shimon, when we know that there is this case, this possibility that her first husband is still alive? Every single time she would have relations with her second husband, Shimon, there'd be an obligation of Asham Taloi. Wow. Let's say, get ready for this. What's the case? Let's say, get ready, get ready. The case is where, so let's say, just to follow the progression, right? Shimon, Reuben goes overseas. Reuben goes overseas. Doesn't come back. Two witnesses show up and they say, Reuben died. Reuben died. Wonderful. You know what I'll say? So, so Rachel, right, at the course of the conversation, Rachel strikes up a, a conversation with one of the witnesses. One of the witnesses, right? And what happens? She marries one of the witnesses. It's a great shout of Rachel. How did you guys meet? How did you guys meet? Oh, right, he was one of the witnesses. Amazing, right? So she marries one of the witnesses. And I'm say, now, now then what happens? Then what happens? Two witnesses show up. Two witnesses, two more. No, again, Reuven, a guy claiming to be Reuven shows up. Right? With no one recognizes him. Reuven brings two witnesses that he's really Reuven. So say, now Rav says she can stay married to Shimon. Aye, but it's two against two, Asham Talui. No, the guy who she's married to is one of the witnesses. Rabbi say, now why does that matter? Watch this, Rabbi say. 
because it's only an asham taloi if for you it's a case of that apostle prohibition. If she married one of the original witnesses, one of the two who said that her husband's dead, they have no doubt. They have no doubt Ruben's dead. They testify to it. They know with certainty that Ruben's dead. Because they know with certainty that Ruben's dead, therefore again, this man, if he has relations with Rachel, there's no asham taloi because for him, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that Ruben's dead. He testified in unequivocal fashion, Ruben is dead. So the Gemara says, but still, he gufa ba'asham taloi kaima. That, that's fine that the husband, Shimon, doesn't have an asham taloi. What about Rachel herself? Ba'omeres barili. She says, I know for sure this guy is not my husband, Ruben. I know my husband, Ruben. We're married for years. This is not just a shot that he grew a beard. Right, he colored his hair, he got a haircut, whatever it is. Lamais again, it's not him. It's not him. She will say that's the case, that ultimately, again, she's married to one of the witnesses, so husband therefore has no case of, of, of possible doubt. He knows for sure it's not Ruvain. She says for sure it's not Ruvain. So what's what's the problem? says, even Rabbi Menachem who says that she has to leave husband number two only said that's when the, that's the case when that's the case where the second set of witnesses came before she remarried. If she remarried first and then you have this little bit of a crazy case, even Rabbi Menachem would agree that she could remain married. This here we go. So we'll say, watch this. If you have a case, Reuven went overseas. Rachel's in Beisden. Right? Two witnesses say Reuven died. Two, another set of witnesses come along and say Reuven didn't die. Or, Two witnesses say Reuven divorced Rachel. Two witnesses say Reuven never divorced Rachel. So we'll say, what's that? So we'll say, so this is just a stomach case, which makes sense. She can't remarry. We'll say, why can't she remarry? Why can't she remarry? She has, essentially, you have two witnesses against two witnesses. So we'll say, what's the effect of two witnesses against two witnesses? They kind of cancel each other out. We're just going to a holding pattern. But if she did get remarried, I will say, so we won't make her leave her second husband. Right? says, no, no, no. I will say, if you have two, verse two, and she still gets married, she has to leave that second husband. However, when do I say that she has to leave husband number two? Then we'll say, that's when you have two verses two, and then she gets remarried. But I will say, watch this. If two witnesses show up and we say, we know Ruven died, and then Rachel gets remarried, and then two more witnesses come along and say, no, Ruvain's alive and well. She doesn't have to leave husband number two. So I will say, so therefore, even Rabbi Nachman would agree, I will say, so here, here, here's what we have, just to illustrate what we have over here. We have a case now of Halacha Lemaisa. Ruvain goes overseas. Two witnesses come along and say, Ruvain died. Rachel gets remarried. Now, interesting wrinkle on this. Who does she marry? Who does she marry? Uh, one of the witnesses. One of the witnesses. Now, two more witnesses. Now, Ruben shows back up. It's me. Rachel says, I have no idea who you are. No one recognizes Ruben. Ruben produces two witnesses that he's Ruben. So they both say, what's that? Rachel, what does Rav say? What does Rav say? She could remain married to husband number two. She can remain number two. Why? I will say, what's the logic of it? 
the logic of it was that, remember, there's no Asham Taloi, because she says, I know this isn't Ruvain. Her husband, Shimon, who also happens to be one of the witnesses, who was one of the original witnesses, says, I know it's not Ruvain. All right, all right, I should say, I know that Ruvain's dead. Therefore, Halach Halamaisa, she's permitted to remain remarried. And even Rabbi Menachem, who would say that in the case of two verses two, she cannot remarry, says she cannot remarry if she, after the second set of witnesses came. But if she remarries before the second set of witnesses came, we don't make her leave husband number two. So, Kika Amarav, Nami Bizman Kachni says, I will say, when does Rav say his position, right, that she doesn't have to leave husband number two? That's ultimately, again, when witnesses came, when witnesses came, and then she remarried. Ultimately, again, to exclude the position of Rabbi Nachman Bariosi. Good. We'll see alternate version of this. Taima, the reason of Rav, that he allows her to remain married to second husband, is Denises Va'achakach Bo'edim. Is because ultimately, again, she married, and then the witnesses showed up. But Allah said, if the witnesses came and then she remarried, ultimately, again, she would have to leave second husband. Kiman, Kirabi, Kirabi, Menachem, Rabbi Yossi. Final boss is just an alternate version of Rav. So, massive Rava. So, we'll say, let's analyze this, because Rav's ruling is quite fascinating, that he allows her to remain with husband number two. So, let's analyze. Massive Rava, Minayim, Minayim, Shim Lo Ratza, Shim Lo Ratza, Depano. So, we'll say, new case, new case. Here we go. Kohen, we'll you have a Kohen who ultimately, again, loves hanging out in cemeteries. Or this Kohen has a thing for Grushas, or divorcees. So I will say, and he refuses to separate himself from these things that he's not allowed to engage in. How do we know the Pano? I will say, Pano means you beat him up. You beat him up, right? We coerce him. In other words, that we could even use physical coercion to cause him to stop from engaging in this negative behavior. Tamulomar, the Kidashto. I will say, what does Torah say about the coin? This is great. What does Torah say about the coin? You could sanctify him. I will say, what does that mean? You could sanctify him. Bal Karcho. I will say, which is such an incredible use. So sometimes you have to sanctify people against their will. Because right deep down, everybody wants Kedusha. Some people know it. Some people yet don't yet know it. And sometimes you have to employ coercion for the purpose of sanctification. Hey, dummy, what's the case? says, So I'll say, we're talking about a case. So I'll say, so ultimately, Garashi. Hey, dummy. The Havadai Be'isim Afursam Vafilo Be'isr Safeq so I will say, ultimately, again, what's the case? Now, we'll say, what, now what we're doing over here, I will say, is creating a paradigm. And what's the paradigm? That halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, there are situations where if somebody's unwilling to be kadosh, we're going to employ coercion in order to go and find the kadosh. So we'll have to stop over here for today. So I will say, we'll pick up over here, we'll pick up over here tomorrow. It's a shorter... Yeah, it's a shorter daft tomorrow, Mir Tashem. Not really, but we'll say it's a shorter daft tomorrow. We'll pick up your we'll say tomorrow. So again, we'll discuss how we could employ forced coercion, ultimately in cases of Kedusha. Shkara Chavosai. It's a shorter daft based on one witness. Shorter daft based on one witness, yeah. It can get shorter over time. Thank you so much. Thank you.